Branding Badass, and welcome to Season 2 of Branding Matters. My guest today is one of the world's most influential CMOs of 2021. Her name is Andrea Brimmer, and she's the Chief Marketing and PR Officer for Ally Financial, a digital financial services company that has disrupted the banking industry. Referred to as the Chief Disruption Officer, Andrea spearheaded the creation of the Ally brand, developing everything from the brand pillars and cultural framework to the value proposition and delivery in the marketplace. Her many honors and accolades include winning Adweek's 2020 Brand Genius Awards from marketers who have skillfully led their brand's messaging to new heights. She's also been named three times to Forbes' list of world's most influential CMOs, and she's a two-time honoree of 100 leading women by Automotive News. I invited Andrea to be a guest on my show today to talk about her role in the rebranding of Ally. I wanted to know how she helped the company emerge with a strong reputation as a different kind of financial services company. And most of all, I was really curious to learn what Ally does differently that makes them a disruptor brand. Andrea, welcome to Branding Matters. Joey, thank you. I'm super excited to be here with you today. Thanks for reaching out. Oh, I am so honored to have you here. And, you know, I learned a little bit more about you after you agreed to be on my podcast. I did my research, my due diligence. (laughs) And the more I learned about you, the more fascinated I was and the more thrilled and excited I am that you're here today. So really, sincerely, I appreciate you being here. Oh, that's very um, kind. Thank you. And just so you know, I don't know if you know this, but how I even found you was in that incredible Forbes magazine article where they talked about the world's most influential CMOs of 2021. So congratulations for being on that prestigious list. Were you excited? (laughs) I was. It's actually the third time I've made the list, but it's been a minute since I've hit the list. And I was really excited. It was completely unexpected. It came across my newsfeed in the morning and I clicked on it and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on the list. No way. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. I was going to ask you actually if you were surprised as well. So you were surprised. Yeah, they don't give you a heads up. So it was an awesome surprise. And I'm just happy for our brand. You know, when we show up on those kinds of lists, I think it puts us next to some of the best brands in the world. And that's a really cool place for the Ally brand to show up. Definitely. Well, congratulations, because that's quite a feat. Another thing that really attracted me to you was so I, again, with my research, I found out that you were a single mom with two boys. (laughs) How old are your boys now, by the way? 24 and 22. And I'm remarried now. I have two stepkids as well that are kind of like my own kids. But yeah, it was just the boys and I for a long time. Yeah, I have two sons also. They're a bit younger. They're 15 and almost 18. And so I also a single mom like you. And I also read that you had to pay your ex and I to pay my ex. So I'm reading this going like really connecting with you. And you went through some challenging times. I mean, and then you became, you know, the CMO and the PR officer of one of the leading digital financial services companies in the U.S. So hats off to you. I have so much more respect for you. Can you share your brave journey and how you went from where you were to where you are today? Yeah, you know, I think about it all the time because it's so formative to who I am. And I really became this huge believer in uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think that accumulation of the experiences that I went through both personally and professionally 
have really shaped how I think about marketing, to be honest with you. So I spent 20 years on the agency side at Campbell Ewald prior to coming over to what is now Ally. As I was transitioning from the agency into kind of the job marketplace, I was also going through a divorce. And for the triple whammy, my brother had been diagnosed with MS and was really, really ill. And so there was just a lot going on. You know, I was going through my divorce. My ex-husband was a stay-at-home dad. So I was paying him alimony and child support. <laughs> so I all of a sudden kind of went to zero in terms Been of there. <laughs> yeah, excess funds, right? The kids were little and I wanted to leave them in their home. I didn't want to yank them out. And so there was this big part of me that's like, I just want to give him everything in the house. So I literally left the marriage with nothing. I mean, I had to wow. buy and establish a new house and, and I was broke, man. I, I was literally like in my parents' basement. I, I remember I'm like, thinking I was 40 years old. I had done well financially. And here I am back at ground zero. And I have nothing. I've got these two little kids. I'm paying alimony child support and my brother's dying and I'm trying to establish a new house. And it was a lot. There were some really dark days. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. You were 40, you said at the time. It's funny. Starting over, it's pretty scary. I was 48 at the time when when mine all happened. It was back in 2015. So I, you're talking and I'm listening to you and I totally get what you're saying. So where did you go to school? Where'd you go to university? So you're in Michigan, right? Yeah. I went to Michigan okay. State University and I actually graduated with an advertising and communications degree from Michigan State. And I actually played varsity soccer there. So I was on the soccer team for four years. Okay, and, I play soccer um, as well. That's so funny. No way. That's I probably funny. I wasn't in university. I did it when I was younger, a teenager. But yeah, center half separated at birth, Jolie. <laughs> and the cool thing about that experience is that my freshman year was the first year that women's soccer was varsity at Michigan State. There were only two other teams in the Big Ten that had varsity teams, and so we would play exhibition matches against the other Big Ten schools, and then we worked with them to petition their athletic boards to make women's soccer a varsity sport. So that was really like my first, I think, experience of coming together to empower women and make change. And once I got a taste of that, it was exceptionally thrilling and just really empowering and something that I knew I wanted to do with my life and with my career. Good for you. That's amazing. And do you find that because of your experience, especially with your marriage and everything, that you have this inner sort of I can do this on my own and I know how hard it is to do. And I also want, you talked about, you said empower women, which I love that. They can do it themselves. They're not entitled to that. But if you work hard, especially as a woman, you can get all those things that you want. Absolutely. You know, I look at a lot of friends that are stay-at-home moms and have made the choice to do that. And many of them have shared with me that they just feel like they don't have choices. Like they may not necessarily be happy in a marriage, but they feel like they don't have any choices. And that's hard to hear as a friend. And I feel bad that people are in that situation. And I feel even though I'm remarried and happy and all those good things, the thing for me that was so positive being a single mom for so long is that it made me realize there's literally nothing I can't do. I mean, I learned how to do everything from build a bunk bed, (laughs) amazing, (laughs) manage my money to everything in between. And I'm 
always really proud of the fact that I'm not afraid to stand on my own two feet if I ever have to. Yeah, amazing. And you're a great role model for your two sons. My sons see me working really hard and they have so much respect for that. And hopefully when they find a partner, they're going to look for that too and understand how important that is. That's always been a big part of the journey. I've taken my boys with me, especially when I was single, to anything that I could. When we rebranded GMAC to Ally, which was really my first assignment when I came to the company, I literally had to move to New York for the summer and work with the branding agency. And I took the boys with me and they were, I mean, they were little and my mom came intermittently to kind of help out, but I'd take them to meetings. I'd take them to things so they could see. And then they got to learn the city and they got to learn how to stand on their own two feet. And I take them to speaking engagements when I'm speaking and and different things so that they can have that respect and appreciation for what I do. And they can think about the importance of that in their partner's life when they ultimately find a partner. Exactly. Well, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that, you know, being so open. So let's talk about, there's lots I want to cover about Ally and we mentioned rebranding quickly, but let's start at the beginning. So Ally launched in 2007, which I found out was the same year that the iPhone launched. So <laughs> most people weren't really comfortable yet. I mean, not, it's funny, last night we were at dinner with my kids and they're talking about the metaphors and things that are all over my head. But back then, I mean, people were not very comfortable being online, doing anything online, never mind banking. So why digital? You know, we launched in the middle of the worst financial crisis since the Great Depression. And when we came to market, people said to us, the world doesn't need another bank. And we said, we agree, but we think the world needs a better bank. The banking category, we felt, was largely broken from the customer experience standpoint. And we saw this opportunity to change it. And a big part of that was the experience And we took this huge bet that people were going to start banking in the palm of their hand. There really wasn't this significant reason for people to go into branches. And, you know, we came to market quickly. We didn't have time to buy branches. We didn't have the liquidity to build branches. And so we said, all right, let's build this digital platform out and let's really disrupt the category forever. And with that would come a whole host of benefits in terms of the level of service that we could offer the consumer. And we think that's really differentiating. And so that was the bet we took. And here we are now, especially post-COVID, right? Every big bank is trying to figure out how quickly they can get to more immersive digital services. So it's pretty gratifying to see the growth in the category. That's incredible. And so when you launched, the original name you mentioned earlier was what? So we used to be GMAC, which is General Motors Acceptance Corporation. We were a division of General Motors. During GM's bankruptcy, they sold GMAC to a private equity firm. And when that private equity firm wanted to transition the company is when the assignment came of let's create this new company and let's create a new brand and a new entry into the marketplace. GMAC was simply GM's captive auto finance company. So they didn't really do any banking. It was just retail and wholesale loans to dealers. So it was really a 
reinvention, not only of the name, but the company from the ground up. And so it was just really specific to the auto industry. It was. And we still have a huge presence in auto. We right. do business with about 20,000 dealers today, and we're the largest non-captive auto lender in the country. But we've also now built out the entire consumer product set with you know savings and spending. And we're about to launch a credit card, and we've got online investing and mortgages and lending products. So full cadre of digital financial services. Financial services. the caveat. Tell me about then fast forward 2009, you rebranded to Ally. Can you tell me about that experience and what role you played in the rebranding? Because you mentioned earlier that that was where they hired you on. Yeah, it really was my first assignment. Helped create the new company. (laughs) No pressure. Yeah, right. (laughs) And it was a huge shift for me, Jolie. Like I was on the agency side. I ran the Chevy account for many years and my pedigree was on the agency side. And so coming over and the pressure now on the brand side and the work product was very different. I mean, I had never created a brand from the ground up. I knew the fundamentals of what good brands needed. So it was personally invigorating, but it was also this massive challenge. And the pressure around the timing was significant. As I mentioned, it was during the financial crisis, we had taken a very large TARP loan. We had to get to market really quickly. We had about a six-month timeline from ideation to launch. And so the process was incredible. We worked with a really small group of people here at Ally, and we knew that we wanted to find a name that meant something, both literally as well as figuratively, something that would exemplify this notion of customer centricity and being on the right side of right, which we knew was something that was sorely needed in this category. If you think about that time, people really had a high disdain for banks. They didn't trust banks. They were taking their money out of banks and literally putting it under their beds like people did in the depression. A lot of banks were failing. So, you know, it was a really, the naming decision was really important. And those were the parameters that we really looked at. And we wanted a brand ID that would be really fresh and contemporary and really bold. The selection of the plum color was very deliberate. We took all banks advertising and we put it on a wall. And we noticed that every bank was either red, white, or blue, or some combination thereof. And so we thought plum would really kind of burst through. So everything was really deliberate from the logo design to the color to the name, to the way that we came to market. Wow. You mentioned experience and the ally experience. And so when I was doing, again, my research that I like to do, I thought it was really interesting how your first campaign, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your first campaign was all about being able to explain it to a child. Can you talk about that campaign and tell me the sort of the methodology behind it? Yeah, we knew we had, we had this huge challenge because we had to figure out how to get people to send their money to an internet bank. And people had never done that before. And so building trust was exceptionally important. And so the way that we thought we could build trust was by first pointing out all the things that people disliked about banking, all the pain points in banking. And so we created what we called the Kids Campaign. And the idea behind the Kids Campaign is that we had kind of a main character who represented big banking. And then we had the kids who are always the arbiters of truth. If you ever want to know like the truth on something, just ask your kids. Like, how do I look in these jeans? (laughs) Not good, mom. Don't worry. Even when you don't ask, they're going to tell you, right? (laughs) And so we thought what a perfect and charming dynamic to set up. And we actually, we brought the kids in. They didn't know they were being shot for a commercial. They thought they were coming in for focus groups and everything was shot hidden camera. And we put these outrageous situations out there. Like my favorite spot was pony. We offered one kid a pony 
And she said, yeah, I'll take a pony. We gave her a plastic pony. The second kid, do you want a pony? And she said, yeah. And we brought out a real pony. The girl that got the plastic pony said, well, you didn't tell me I could have a real one. And the guy representing banking said, well, you never asked. And then we used that to talk about how banks don't tell you things unless you ask, right? So setting up all these scenarios that were meant to reach out, grab the consumer, and really remind them in a charming and emotional way why they needed to pay attention to our new brand and our new offering. I love that. I don't know if I read somewhere about that ad where you fast forward, I think 10 years later, and there was one scenario where you end up giving the kid a real pony and the one that got the plastic one. So we had three different spots that we shot. One with a little kid who wanted a, a, like a big toy truck and we gave him a cardboard truck instead. And he was really mad. And then the pony scenario and a couple of others. And we did get some negatives from the campaign because people thought it was mean to do to the kids. And so on our 10 year anniversary, we went and found the kids that were in the spots and they were now like 15 and 16 And we brought them in and we surprised them and gave them the real thing that they didn't get in the spots and filmed the content and kind of put it out there. And it was awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, it was just a really cool way to bring it all full circle. Well, you can't, like you said, you can't, uh, the kids are so honest. And I've seen all three of those commercials and the expressions on their their faces are the ones who didn't get what the other one got. (laughs) You could see the disappointment. So, I mean, what a great way to rebrand and, you know, launch into the marketplace and make that emotional connection, which is all what it's all about. So, Congratulations on that. You mentioned also earlier, you talked about disrupting the whole banking industry. When I think of disruptors, I think of like Uber, Spotify, or Airbnb, or kind of disruptive brands that come to mind. So what makes Ally a disruptive brand, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things. One, the fact that we launched and have sustained digital financial services, and we do so in a regulated environment keeping customer money safe and across a full portfolio of financial products, which is very different than a lot of the fintechs that are kind of now emerging and many of which we partner with. So you think about just the sustainability of the brand and the offering, the way that the customer can interact with us, very different, but really changing the category forever. It's a hundred year old category that really has had very little reinvention since Alexander Hamilton created it. If you think about it, right? Everybody had a branch system. Nobody was doing things digitally. Banks had exorbitant fees. You didn't have 24 by seven customer service. You didn't have onshore kind of language experiences when you did interact with customer service reps. Language that was used is confusing. The whole notion of not being transparent, straightforward. And we changed all of that. And while there was first, I think, adverse reaction to it from the category, all have gravitated to it now. And you see the emergence of all the fintechs that have realized that there's opportunity in this category to continue to make change. And so I think that's the perfect definition of a disruptor. You see an opportunity to change the status quo and you push against it and you create inertia for the betterment of the customer. And that's what Ally has done. And taking a huge risk too. What do you say? People think, oh, you can be a disruptor by just doing it differently, but it's also risky. Because it's very risky. What we did is we put ourselves in the shoes of a consumer. You know, this is one of those business moments that you'll never forget, right? There is a small group of us. We were in a conference room. This is before we launched and we plotted out this graph. And on one axis, it was high value all the way to low value. And on the other axis, it was easy to execute 
too difficulty to execute. And we just said, all right, shout out everything you hate about banking. And we all said fees, ATM fees, and lack of 24 by seven service, and no websites, and on and on and on. Then we plotted those things on this graph. And then we put a circle around the things that we said, okay, those will have the most impact. So when we launched, we launched with very high rates. We launched with 24 by seven service. We launched with no ATM fees and no exorbitant fees really across the board. We moved all our call centers onshore. We changed the model in terms of how we rewarded our call center advocates to first touch resolution as opposed to number of calls answered. We created things like dejargonators so that when you're on our site, you could roll over a confusing financial term and it would break it down in plain English. Oh, really? Oh, wow. We made a rule that none of our ads could have disclaimers, that if you couldn't explain it in an ad without a disclaimer then you weren't being simple enough in your articulation. All those things built trust with people because we went out there and we literally had an ad that said, we want to make money with you, not off you. We were honest. We're a for-profit company. We want to make money. We want to have revenue, but we don't want to do it on your back. We want to do it with you. We want you to make money too. And we're going to give you a better experience. And I think all those things, the totality of, everything from the marketing to the brand acts, which I think are really, really important in the way we showed up in the world is what engendered this exceptionally high level of trust and stickiness. That's amazing. And goes back to the name, right? I mean, we want to be your ally. We want to be there right along with you. So there's a great example of how you've taken a brand and all the elements from the brand identity to the experience to everything, it all works together. And that's really important because I think a lot of times people, when they have a rebrand or when they're thinking of rebranding, I don't think they really understand how you have to be consistent in all those different areas to make it strong, right? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I love the most about my job is CMOs don't own the brand. The brand has to be shared and believed in across your organization at every level. Our tagline is do it right. It has been for a long time. It's also one of our brand pillars. If customers are having lousy experiences with our call center advocates or can't get into our website on a consistent basis, that is not doing it right. I don't control those things, but the people that are on those teams believe as deeply in the value of this brand and believe as deeply in the notion of do it right as I do. And they fight every day to bring those things to life the right way. And I think that's been our secret sauce is that the brand promise is well understood and well articulated internally as well as externally. Our 10,000 plus teammates kind of come to work every single day with that concept in mind. I can't tell you how many meetings I'm in where somebody will say, well, we can't do it that way because that's not doing it right. It's part of our lexicon. It's part of our belief system. It's the way we are evaluated and rewarded. And so all the pieces work together. And so it makes the brand sing. And I think that's a just a huge differentiator for us. Definitely. I've heard you say, I think it was to Google. You did a presentation to Google a couple of years ago. That was yeah. that was amazing. And you Thank mentioned you. about using brand as a weapon. And I love that. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I stole it from my boss, actually. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I got to give JB some credit. Maybe weapon's not a good word these days, but in a positive way, it's this notion that brand can be a powerful force for the trajectory of your company. 
And that if you have this strong brand, that's a catalyst for growth, that's kind of nurtured and protected and invested in and is consistent and defines the way that you think and act and the culture you create, that it's the most powerful asset that a company can have. And that's how we think about it. You know, during COVID, as an example, when COVID first hit, we very quickly knew that we needed to pull back from marketing, but we needed a big brand act and we needed to help people. And we very quickly came to market with the most comprehensive COVID relief package of any financial services company. We suppressed for four months for anybody that requested it. They didn't even need to tell us why. They just need to go online and say, I want this. We suppressed their house payments for four months, their car payments for four months. If they had loans with us, we waived all fees. So if you said, I need a new debit card, we would overnight it to you at our expense. And then we went one step further and we looked across the entirety of our portfolio of customers and found everybody that had a negative balance with us. And we put that money that represented the negative balance in their account as a gift for them because we knew if they had negative balance. Yeah, that they were suffering. That's amazing. And so that's using brand as a weapon. It generated an incredible amount of goodwill that allowed us to pull through just unbelievable momentum in the marketplace. And we had so many people saying, even people that weren't customers that said, I see you, Al, I see what you did. And I'm coming over to you because next time I want somebody in my corner the way that you've been in in your customers' corners. And it's worked. Well, you put your money where your mouth is, no pun intended, but that's really what you do. You're sticking to what the brand all encompasses and what it all means to have an ally. And who doesn't need an ally when you have zero money in your bank account, right? Absolutely. <laughs> that's incredible. So that's a great segue into what is going on now. Your most recent campaign is we're all better off with an ally. When did that launch? October last year? Yeah, we just launched in October. Can you share about that campaign? Yeah, I felt like as a company and as a brand, And as a world between a global pandemic and political unrest and social injustice, that we were all just in a very different place. And the sentiment and the mood of the country was in a very different place. And our marketing technique has always been to push off of the industry a little bit, to be a bit of a provocateur. And I just didn't feel like that felt right anymore. I felt like people didn't want brands pushing off of each other. They really wanted to see more of the heart of a brand. And so we came up with this idea that allyship has never been more important than it is now. In fact, I think allyship was the word of the year picked by dictionary.com recently, which is kind of interesting. Allyship? Is that what you called it? Allyship. Allyship. Okay. And being an ally for people. And so we realized that what we did is we were a true ally and that everybody in life is better off with an ally. And our brilliant agency, Anomaly, came up with this incredible campaign where they realize there's a lot of words in the English language with ally in them. Historically, heroically, phenomenally, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And so we launched this campaign that demonstrates how ally shows up in almost every situation in your life and how every situation in your life kind of needs an ally or needs financing or finances. And everything ends with this idea of you're better off with an ally. So it's this perfect combination of things coming together. And when we saw it, it was one of those, holy cow, why didn't we see this before moments? Yeah. (laughs) Sitting there in front of us the whole time. The idea is the name and always has been. 
and no one else can take that from us. You own it, right? We own it. Yeah. So can you share a little bit about the campaign? I mean, what kind of things have you done since you launched? It was the biggest campaign <laughs> launch in our history. In addition to just a bunch of beautiful film work, a 60, a bunch of 30s. We also did spectacular outdoor. We have 600 plus outdoor boards up all over the country. We did some really interesting things from an outdoor standpoint. We're on the side of Ferris wheels and we're on buses all over the place. We're on boats cruising up and down the Bay of Miami with video billboards. We've got murals all over the country, wild posting. So the campaign comes out beautifully in that medium. And we've used the words and the images a really interesting way. We shot the campaign. Every scenario shot is a real scenario. There's no actors. It's all real people. So the director that we use, Daniel Mercandado, who's brilliant, actually goes out and captures real moments. So the emotion that you see in the campaign is real, whether it's proposals to a kid getting braces on. We've done amazing things in terms of the idea of better off with an ally to life. So we were in New York a couple of weeks ago and all day long, we surprised people. So we paid for everybody's tickets for a Broadway show and gave them a free meal. We went into a hospital and bought everybody that had babies that day, all their diapers for a year and some other supplies. We went and paid for everybody that skated at Rockefeller Center. They're skating that day. We went into diners and picked up everybody's meals, but we didn't reveal who it was. And we used this hashtag totally covered. A-L-L-Y. <laughs> There's that ally again. Yeah. And then people had to go in and use the hashtag to reveal who paid for their activity or their meal that day. So really unique things. And then something I'm really proud of, we partnered with Warner Media and we just launched the Milestone Initiative with them, which is this opportunity to create space for diverse creators in the comic book industry. And they'll get an opportunity to go and get trained by DC Comics in Burbank and come out with a degree oh, um, wow. in comic book creation and really bringing back these characters from Milestone that are all Black characters from the 70s and really igniting that passion around kind of the comic book and superhero fandom. So a lot of different elements to the campaign that I think have been awesome. That's so great. And it sounds like fun. At the end of the day, everything from your brand and what you're doing and making an impact. And it sounds like fun. We're trying to make financial services sexy, right? It's right. <laughs> and so important. Like if you think about your most important asset in your life, it's your money. You work so hard for it. And people are largely uneducated around financial literacy in, in this country. And financial brands have a responsibility to get people to engage and be educated and be able to talk intelligently and to be able to take hold of their economic mobility. And so we've tried to find really disruptive ways to get people to engage, whether it's through gamification and creating an island in Animal Crossing, which is a game about money. We just launched a game for children that we're selling through camp tree topple that teaches elementary aged kids financial literacy we created a world within minecraft called fintropolis it's got over two million downloads wow. it's aimed at kids your son's age it teaches them financial literacy within minecraft in a fun way you know and everything in between and so we try and have fun with how do you get people to pay attention to something that's yeah. kind of scary and sometimes boring for people. Well, I think it's uncomfortable too. I don't, you know, there's certain topics that people tend to stay away from around the dinner table. And one of them is money, right. right? People aren't comfortable talking about it, whether they have too much of it or they don't have enough of it. And everybody has a different relationship with money, right? Growing up, whatever your family history is and their, your parents' relationship, it tends to go on to you. And so there's all 
things going on there, right? Like psychologically, when it comes to money. What's interesting, Julie, is that that is so true for our generation. If you think about Gen X and boomers, we're private. We don't talk about our money. But if you think about millennials and Gen Z, they openly talk about their money, how much they make, how much they have. Think about the rise of even just on platforms like Reddit and TikTok, the conversation that's happening around money seeking input and information from other people. And so I think as digitally native brands, we have to recognize that it is a critically imperative conversation, but there's more openness than ever before with the target that we want to attract. And we have to find ways to help educate and to help people get excited about getting real information. Part of, I think the dynamic is, especially on a lot of these platforms, you know, many of these kids are taking advice from people that don't know anything about money, <laughs> investment advice and other things. And so it's better to get it from a safe source, which obviously can be us. We think there's a great role for us there. That's so true. And I love that you said you're getting into the gaming world. And so you're talking to them in their language, you're reaching where they are. My That's son, right. it's funny, you talk about my son's age, my 15 year old, he's already talking about, you know, when he when he's a millionaire, not if, but when he's a millionaire, <laughs> when he's going to do this. And he's so driven on that. And I think a lot of that does have to do with social media and he follows a lot of people and he's pretty motivated. Okay, so I would love it if you would share maybe some valuable tips or some advice for someone who's listening who might be thinking about rebranding. Why would somebody rebrand? Why would a business rebrand? And then what are some really important things to think about when you're in the rebranding process? Yeah, I would say in terms of why would somebody rebrand, consumers are inundated with brand messages. The average consumer sees over 3,000 brand messages a day. The media landscape and ecosystem is more complex than ever before. And people are on digital overload. And so as you think about rebranding, you have to think about is your brand resonating? Is it reaching out? And is it grabbing people? And is your brand communicative about what you do or what you stand for? You know, there's a lot of brand names out there that you kind of look at and you're like, I, I don't have the foggiest sense of what that brand does or what it's about. And so I would say breakthrough is super important as you consider rebranding, doing it the right way. You know, there's cost to rebrand. It's not just printing new business cards and hoping that the world comes in and kind of picks one up and changing your sign. You've got to think about the entire ecosystem around the consumer, especially when you're doing a rebrand and all the different channels that you can use and that are available to you, whether it's digital or social or community events or those kind of earned media, et cetera, doesn't have to cost a fortune. You can find really unique and disruptive ways to reach people. Try and find something that's differentiated. Try and find something that's communicative, something that people can look at and get a sense of what your brand stands for. I think about Ally. It's what we stand for. And then lastly, and probably most importantly, is if you rebrand, you really have to think about what your value proposition is. And then you have to live that value proposition every single day. A rebrand is not successful unless the big brand acts live up to what the notion of that rebrand is about. And it has to be ingrained in your culture, whether you're one person or 10 people or 20 people, it has to be ingrained in your culture. Everybody has to understand it and bring it to life every day. And customer has to feel it. 
That's great advice. I love that because, you know, I've talked to people sometimes and we've talked about rebranding. And I think there's a misconception that if you change your logo, you're rebranding or do your website, you've just rebranded. So I really appreciate you breaking that down because it is more than just that. It's not just changing your logo, right? Absolutely. I know. I think that was kind of my ingoing perception when I came to Ally and they said, okay, you're going to help rebrand the company and deploy it. I'm like, all right, cool. We'll change the signs and we'll print some business cards and change the letterhead and we're off rocking and rolling. And <laughs> That was the last thing we did, right? It was starting from the ground up and saying, what do we want this company to be? What do we want the brand pillars to be? What do we want the culture to be? How are we going to get everybody to align around it? How are we going to bring it to life? And then how are we going to feed it? How are you going to feed the brand on a consistent basis? And it's not just a point in time. It's a continual journey. Definitely. You know, I don't think I asked this to you, but why did you rebrand? Because the name GMAC wasn't something that we could sustain. It was General Motors Acceptance Corporation. We weren't part of GM anymore. It wasn't reflective of anything that we did. We didn't own the name. So we really didn't have a choice. Oh, okay. Well, I love Ally, so good call. (laughs) Thank you. That's great. Okay. I've heard you say that when you focus on what you're really good at, whatever business or it is, lean into that, and that's what's going to help you be successful. So, Andrea, what is Ally really good at? And what is Andrea really good at? (laughs) (laughs) What Ally is really good at is putting the customer at the center of everything we do, bar none. It's how we were created. And it's how we make every single solitary decision today, customer first. And a lot of companies say that. It's a popular thing to say. I would just tell people, as I tell my kids all the time, deeds, not words. Think about what we did with our COVID relief package. You know how much money that cost this company? It was a lot of money. All of a sudden, revenue went to zero. (laughs) Negative. We had no payments coming in. We didn't just do it on the consumer side. We did it on the dealer side. 20,000 dealers. We stopped wholesale payments and insurance payments and everything to keep people afloat. And so customer centricity is what we're great at. And it's our superpower. And I think in terms of what maybe what's my superpower, I would say the passion that I bring to creativity. I think it's my never ending insatiable quest to break through, to engage, to be the most creative brand that we can be. As I talk with my team, I don't say, okay, let's be the best bank out there. We say, let's be amongst the best brands on the earth. You're going to dream, dream big, right? That's what I always say. That's the bar that we set. And so I've got this golden gut for creativity. I can just see something and feel it and sense whether it's going to be good or not. And I think that's kind of my superpower. I love that. And I think you're right. I mean, that's why you are where you are. And also, I mean, CMOs, they usually don't stay at a company very long. What's the average time a CMO stays at a company? Like 18 months or something? Yeah, right. I think it's a little higher now. It's 40 months. In fact, jokingly, my boss a couple of months ago screenshotted an article <laughs> that said average CMO tenure is 40 months. And he just sent me that. And then a few minutes later, he said, don't worry, Brimmer, you're safe. Um, so. <laughs> I should hope so. And you've been there now how many years? Well, I've been at Ally 13 years, but I've been CMO for the last six. Amazing. Going on seven in February. Well, they're lucky to have you. So, and I'm Thank lucky you. to have you here today. Thank you so much. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time, Andrew. If people want to learn more about you and what you're doing and they want to connect with you, are you on social media? What's the best way yeah. to connect with you? I'm on Twitter at Andrea Brimmer. I'm on LinkedIn. So just Andrea Brimmer. Um, you can find me in those two places. Those are kind of my primary social channels. I use Instagram really for more for personal stuff. So unless you want to see a bunch of pictures of my dogs and my kids, then uh, (laughs) 
and Twitter and, and uh, LinkedIn are the best places. And then obviously, if you want to know more about Ally, just ally.com and full social channels at Ally on Twitter and Instagram and, and LinkedIn. You know, it's a it's a unique and really interesting company. And it's a lot of fun to uh have the privilege of being at the helm of this brand journey. Well, thank you again. Do you have any closing words before we sign off? I really enjoyed our conversation and I think that you kind of nailed it. I think for anybody that's listening to your podcast, I would just say, find what makes your brand or your company unique and stay true to that. It's really tempting to migrate towards things that are the bright, shiny object, but the best brands are consistent brands. You look at brands that we admire, whether it's like a Target or a Porsche or a BMW or an Apple, they're just perfectly consistent all the time in terms of execution, in terms of customer experience, and in terms of the way the brand shows up. And I think that's a very powerful thing, even if you're a small business owner, that brand consistency. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you again. It's really nice to be connected with you. I hope we can stay connected. And it's just been such a pleasure. So thank you again. My pleasure. All right. Bye. Thank you. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe learned a few things to help you with your branding. But most of all, I hope you had some fun. This show is a work in progress, so please remember to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And if you want to learn more about me and what I do to help my clients with their branding, feel free to reach out to me on any of the social channels under, you guessed it, Branding Badass. Branding Matters was produced, edited, and hosted by Jolie Goodson. Also me. So thanks again, and until next time, here's to all you badasses out there.